0: Miracy
1: I just actually look for truth everywhere and I find that truth exists everywhere and it matters not the name of it. It's just branding. Hello, I'm Katie
0: Valentine, and you're listening to Soul Savvy Business. I'm a soul-minded spiritual entrepreneur, a Christian minister, and a New Testament scholar, but don't let any of that scare you. I support all paths to the divine, and I use tools such as chakras, dreams, and intuition to get there. On this podcast, we explore the intersection of business and spirituality. What do I mean by that? Too often, we separate our business selves from our spiritual selves but in doing that, we don't leverage the full potential of either one. This series aims to help you fall in love with your own soul so that you can live your most fulfilling and successful life. On today's episode, I'll be letting my woo flag fly high with an entrepreneur who is an executive coach, facilitator, community builder, and movie producer. But first... In every episode, I offer a tip around abundance and your spiritual journey. This tip is going to be contrary to the entrepreneurial mindset that most of us have, including me. It's really, really simple. The tip is to get bored. And by bored, I mean really bored. Mind-numbingly bored, even. But don't worry, you don't have to stay bored for too long. Boredom can be really essential to our spiritual lives and our entrepreneurial lives, too. I know, we're all busy planning, emailing, setting up funnels, living life, all of which are important. But your willingness to just be and to get bored speaks volumes to the universe. Nothingness and leisure time are also their own forms of abundance. When you sit, meditate, pray, or just relax, you're actually risking being bored. And that's a good thing. By giving spaciousness to your life, you allow more room for abundance. And in that space that feels like boredom, you're actually allowing new ideas to generate and to flourish without you having to do a single thing. My guest today is Elin Reed. Elin is the founder of Manity, a leadership development company that helps entrepreneurs find and use their sole operating system. She co-founded the exclusive Secret Knot Conference and was the executive producer for Wishman, a movie about the life of the Make-A-Wish founder. She's on a mission to help build soul literacy in humanity. And fun fact, she was the first Filipina to summit Mount Kilimanjaro. Welcome
1: to the show, Alin. Thank you for having me. Your voice sounds amazing, and I love what the show is about.
0: I am so excited. We're going to talk all things woo, is just letting all my metaphysical stuff fly, talking about business and spirituality. I'm so excited. So, I'm super curious, Elaine. Did anything resonate with you in the tip on the topic of boredom? You know, do you ever allow yourself to get bored?
1: Oh my God. I love everything about boredom, honestly. My son knows not to say he's bored because I tell him your only job in life there's two things one, to get all the hugs and kisses from mom, and two, is to be bored. That's it. That's your main job as a (laughs) 10-year-old.
0: How does he respond? Oh, he just rolls his eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Doing the job of a nine-year-old there, too.
1: Yeah, why do you tell him that? Well, you know, we're a bit like water, right? And water has three states, solid, liquid, and gas. And us humans also have states. We have our physicality. And then we have our emotional and thinking body. But then we have this gaseous state. It's etheric. That's our soul. The foundation of our existence. And frankly, you can really only hear it, feel it, be with it in two opportune times in one's life. And one is like near deaths, defining moments in your life. When you're trying to get out of danger, when it's not yet time to go, your soul will step in. And two is when you're bored. (laughs) So I'm a huge proponent of boredom.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh, this is so great because we really, we've only met for the first time, you know, 15 minutes ago as we were getting onto the podcast. And so it's not like I knew this about you at all. So I love the way the universe is operating here. And uh, do you find it difficult to give yourself the space to be bored?
1: Mm -hmm. We all just have difficulty allowing ourselves space. We're not taught to deal with ourselves in terms of space. It's doing, it's material, it's thoughts, it's feelings, right? But nothingness, we're highly undereducated about it.
0: Yeah, I agree. That's a great way to phrase it. We are undereducated about it, but there's such value in it, and especially for entrepreneurs. And I find myself when I'm in the middle of a very intense creative period, I need even more space to just integrate and to do, to do nothing.
1: And that's probably where most of your ideas come from, right?
0: Probably, uh, consciously, but mostly unconsciously, I think. You as
1: well? Absolutely. You know, they say Einstein would take eight-hour baths to work for 30 minutes. (laughs) That is a model I can get behind. Uh Uh-huh, me too. (laughs) A huge proponent of it. Nice.
0: Well, a question that we like to ask every guest is, what word or words do you currently use when referring to what you consider to be the divine?
1: The divine. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> creation <Straight forward.
1: laughs> yeah the divine creation consciousness now the vehicle or the instrument patching into it is the soul and so i do have that uh, differentiator between the two tell us a little more about that what's what's different between them well it's like the consciousness or the divine is the bigger soup we're all in and our soul it does have two parts one is the individuated part That comes with what makes us us, what makes us original, what makes us the quirky things that we are, right? Soul to soul. So there's seven billion people in the world. There's seven billion footprints and fingerprints, correct? And as such, there's also that kind of individuality reflected on a soul level, seven billion different soul signatures as well, at minimum. And so that is one part of the soul. And the other is. The one that is like the divine, it's patched into the divine. It is not individuated. It's not personalized to us. It is what is what's called, you know, we're all connected and we're all one. That's that aspect of the soul.
0: So do you see the divine less as a personality and more as, as a force that animates the universe or none of the above?
1: Absolutely. I see it as creator and creation together as an organism, if you will, that's ever changing and ever vague. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes,
0: I can resonate with that.
1: Well, um, let's backtrack a little bit. Can you tell us
0: just a little bit about your religious, your spiritual upbringing?
1: Mm, okay. So religious upbringing was Catholic. I come from the Philippines, so pretty much the whole country is Catholic. And My family is all staunch Catholics. I sang in choirs growing up, did Sunday school, did confirmation, the whole bit. But it wasn't strict growing up because the Philippines still has a lot of oral shamanic uh, ways. And I was exposed to healing. I was exposed to the divine by way of my brother being born with uh, brain tumors.
0: Oh my. And
1: having to deal with that as a family... It was all blended together, and integrated together. So a doctor would not hesitate to send us to a healer and a healer wouldn't hesitate to send us to a priest and back, you know, and forth. So there was a group of women where we would go see and hike up a mountain and they were healers. And I got to see and witness miracles. And so I suppose my early life is where I have a unfair advantage because I came into it with it integrated, that that divine and religion can mesh well together.
0: And so you grew up as Catholic, but also with indigenous and shamanic culture and practices, and it seems like there was a seamless flow between them. Yes.
1: Yeah. That's lovely.
0: What's your spiritual practices now, if you call yourself anything, or where do you kind of hang your hat for your spirituality these days?
1: Well, I'd say there's a book I picked up called The Worship of Nature, (laughs) it's an 18th century edition of this book. And I would say that's where I hang my hat right now is that Earth guides me. The literal planet guides me when I'm willing to patch into what's going on with it or her. But I learned that I find and be in tune or attuned to where I'm out of alignment with myself and with others, where I need to grow, how I need to grow. And so... I would say that's where I hang my hat. And that's what led me to the work of the soul, actually was following the earth. As you've heard,
0: Elena's is Filipina with both Catholic and indigenous spiritual backgrounds. Her story about her brother and his illness, visiting local shamans and indigenous healers, touched me a great deal. If you're like me and you come from a very Western background, You may not know a lot about indigenous cultures and how they practice spirituality. This definitely includes a relationship to the earth. Many Westerners tend to care for the earth either as a responsibility or sometimes tragically as something to exploit. Indigenous spirituality often has a very different relationship to the earth. Of course, indigenous cultures vary widely. All practices are embedded in their local culture and land. But broadly speaking, there is a strong connection to the earth as a living, animated force. When Alin mentioned that she was following the earth, that immediately piqued my
1: interest, and I wanted to know more. I came in with a lot of talents, like claircognizance, for example, and clairaudience. But I actively hid them and did not use them. <laughs> One, it wasn't ever reflected back to me once I came into America, things here are in categories and have, you know, definitions and lines between boxes and boxes. And so I wanted to live a normal life. And also, we were immigrants and necessity and needing to survive really was what dictated my existence. And so that part really got locked out of my existence. And I really was not well in those years. I mean, leading up to like in college, I was suicidal because there was so much magic that. I was so accustomed to that I didn't realize I missed. And so, you know, what is the defining moment? Well, I've been an entrepreneur. I cultivate and run a big community. I've helped others form communities and there was still something missing. And one night when everything quote unquote falls apart, like every dark night of the soul experience, I heard this voice that says, you are going to do this or we're gonna take you out. In the floor of my closet, I'm like crying. But I sat up. I was like, who said that? I'm by myself. It was a whisper. And it unfolded from that moment as to what I have to do, which is retrieve back this aspect of myself, teach others about it, which is the soul. And that's how I'm here. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I'm curious
0: if there's anything from your Catholicism that still lives within you or that you hang on to, or do you feel like you're more in the earth based, or maybe my American self is just making categories
1: where there are none? I went to Catholic school, even in high school here, and it was an all-girls school and I was taught by nuns. They were so wonderful. They really taught and fostered great relationships with women. Those girls, my friends from that time in my life, loved me when I was unlovable. And those nuns were so playful and taught us the original word for Catholic was actually universal. It was supposed to be for everyone. And in our religion classes, they really taught us to think far and wide beyond what the Bible told us. And so there was always this permission or honoring of the independent person. For whatever reason, that's the kind of Catholicism that I was exposed to. Now, do I go to church? No, I don't go to church. I can't. It's hard for me to grasp that there needs to be a third intermediary between me and God. But actually, I learned about other religions because that was one thing that they taught us in Catholic school. Actually, a whole year of world religion before they even taught us the Bible was to learn about all the other religions and their history and how they came about and why they came about. So I just actually look for truth everywhere and I find that truth exists everywhere and it matters not the name of it. It's just branding. (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's wonderful. I I love that it seems like you've retained some of the the social values, the really positive social values of community, of of acceptance, of loving when you're unlovable and being loved and loving others when they're unlovable and that that part of the Catholic tradition
1: that you experience has stuck with you. Yes, and which actually surprised me because I really did not see any value in it for such a long time. So that was even a surprise to me in, in my 20s. So there's always value even in rigidity or even in structure. I'm not a throwing the baby out of the bathwater sort of person, although I used to be. <laughs> yes, those mighty shifts occur. So. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> well, let's talk just a little bit about abundance. Many people feel that our experience of abundance or lack of it in our lives has a lot to do with our mindset, with our personal beliefs, and I'm curious if that's something that you agree with, and if your own spiritual or religious beliefs influence the way you think about money or abundance now.
1: Well, I think, too, abundance is too narrowly defined by money in modern time, and I think that's where the root of it is, because all abundant means is, is plenty. Plenty of what? We don't know. <laughs> 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 okay. And so I find that there is mixed results for people who pursue abundance because it, in fact, it is neutral. You have to define what you're trying to be abundant about. And to narrowly just define it as money is what produces then this dissatisfaction, unfulfillment, because... And you have a lot of blind spots about it because abundance can also mean the other way, conflict, (laughs) you know, right.
0: We can have an abundance of, yes, dissatisfying things in life for sure. Well, you know, so when you're maybe when you're working with people, how do you help them cultivate that mindset
1: of abundance beyond only money? Well, I strictly get out of polarity and duality and positive and negative. And root people back into where they're whole, which is the soul. And once the coordination of the soul is in the, the skill set, it's more understanding that you are the writer, not from the mindset point of view, but from your soul. And that's really where it starts.
0: Yeah, well, so in the way you're thinking about abundance, I mean, I sense that it's very holistic, and I can feel that it's rooted in your love of the earth and, and following the earth. And certainly, if we look around, we see abundance everywhere uh, with the earth. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Okay, okay. I want to make sure I'm not putting words in your mouth. Yeah, so with your own experience with abundance, was there ever a time when maybe an old spiritual belief or an old religious belief? cropped up and kept you from being in that total alignment with your soul?
1: Yes. Well, definitely around perfectionism. Everything had to be perfect, regardless if it was right or appropriate. (laughs) And I don't know necessarily that church or religion had anything to do with it, but it fostered having to be good, right? Having to be a good person and having to be a good human being. And... In a way, we're geared a little too early to be a good human being because we're already good when we are born. We actually just need to understand the extent of all of that. So we're just geared to be good and not just understand the fullness of us. And therefore, what doesn't count as good is automatically bad instead of a tool. Let's switch gears just a bit.
0: I have a special place in my heart for for all things Woo. And so I'm really excited to find out about your company. Can you just tell us a little bit about it and what was the inspiration
1: behind Woo-manity? Gosh, you know, it's satire. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I'm a skeptic all through and through. My perfectionist scientific mind, right? And I'm Asian, so everything has to be precise and accurate and verifiable. But it's undeniable that I know that magic, Woo, is possible. And <laughs> So at first it was just called woo when i really was just being sarcastic but Wu-Manity came to me at 4am in a dream i was like universe god creator what is this supposed to be called what is the name and it came to me literally 4am i woke up and it was a word i saw in my dream called Wu-Manity. but it's where woo woo and humanity converge and so This one acknowledges that we've been highly human and we've been forgetting the woo side of us, which is our soul.
0: I love it. And I also really work with the idea that I wouldn't call it a soul necessarily, but that our businesses, our our families even, like anything that we're putting energy into definitely has its own energy that's actually a little bit separate from us. And so I love that idea.
1: Tell us just a little bit, like, what does humanity do? Well, right now it's education and coaching. Honestly, I meant to just be a broken record, reminding everybody you're a soul here first. When I deal with relationship with people, if say we're, we're handling relationship issues or karmic relationship issues, there's three things I'm working with. It's the two partners plus the us, the third entity that gets created. And so it's everything from relationship to business consulting. I mean, a fun fact, I used to just hide from people. I never would mention that I'm able to hear what they're supposed to be doing in their business. So I would get booked okay. for consults. <laughs> yeah, I get for, for, people would, list, would tell me what's going on in their business, right? And I hear two things. The audio of them actually talking to me plus the voice of the soul of the project or themselves. And I would just be an instrument. I would just be the mouth that gave sound to what they're supposed to do next. But I never shared with anybody that that's wise because I had my talents through my soul. I had my soul talents.
0: (laughs) Yeah, not everyone might get that.
1: I quickly got to
0: understand that Alin doesn't do anything halfway. Her womanity is both coaching and education, pretty standard in the industry of entrepreneurial coaching but whoa, she is doing it in such a unique way. I myself am a spiritual entrepreneur and have generally worked in very clear-cut lines with Jesus followers and metaphysics. And there's something about Elin's work that can't quite be put in the box that I usually try to create. She is all woo, super practical, and also listening, literally, to people's souls. Elin does really amazing work. She has to put herself out there in big ways. And it's not everyone that talks about souls in such a vibrant way in the business world. So I had to ask her, how open are you about your spirituality?
1: I'm blatantly open. I'm in this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. I disclose to people that's how I know what I know.
0: That's amazing. What would you say has been your biggest challenge as an entrepreneur?
1: Well, I would say that business is personal. And nobody really wants to hear that. I haven't come across a business where there wasn't some sort of major influence actually in the business dynamics that is rooting from the internal dynamics of the founders, even if the founders have passed. So the ones who are okay with the blunt truth do well. The ones who just want someone else to fix it for them versus being active in participating in the solution. And need it sugar coated, I don't do so well with. <laughs> it's not, it's a challenge for both sides because I say what needs to be said and I don't always say it in the way that someone wants to hear it or is used to hearing it. So I would say that would be the toughest thing as an entrepreneur. So,
0: Elaine, you've, you've mentioned that you've got some um, indigenous practice backgrounds, maybe some shamanic traditions uh, from the Philippines. And now you're doing the soul work where you're connecting with people, their own souls, the souls of their businesses or projects. Are you using some of those indigenous beliefs, some of the
1: shamanic practices as you're assisting your clients? I definitely use my homeland. (laughs) I didn't know it actually when I first began, but it turns out not that original. (laughs) My tendencies do root from my homeland, which is. They believed in animism, that everything had a life force, a beingness, and has life. So that is the root of this, What is, I'm calling today soul work and soul and soul operating system. So yes. So
0: was there ever a time when it was you know scary to to click the publish button and be really out there about this kind of soul work that you do? Because I know for me, when I click publish on anything having to do with metaphysical and my Christian journey, I thought, oh my gosh. I'm about to close all these doors. Of course, it ended up opening doors, but it was extremely terrifying to uh, push publish. And I'm curious if you've had the same experience.
1: Every single time. (laughs) (laughs) Every day. (laughs) Every day, every moment, every conversation, even with people who I already know (laughs) and who I know know what I am and what I'm about. Still, every yes. So it's like every moment you get to make the choice. Every day is a choice. Every day we can be a different person if we wanted to. Just ask yourself when you wake up in the morning, who am I today and what grand adventure am I going to have? Like, just ask it out loud. Don't wait for an answer and let the day unfold. (laughs) So, Elaine, how would you describe being in alignment?
0: Because what you've just described gives us a lot of opportunity to wake up in the morning and to choose alignment. But it also gives us the opportunity to wake up and think, oh, not today. I can't. Today is not a day for alignment, either by our actions or by our conscious thoughts. So I'm curious, what do you describe as being in alignment?
1: In alignment to me means is that what you just described, that I will wake up. I'm like, not today. And being okay with it, because that is what the day is supposed to be like. Everything is in season and cycles. We're not supposed to be go, go, go every day. The sun rises and sets. So who are we to think that we can be on the same exact schedule and feel the exact same way every single day? That to me is out of alignment, actually.
0: So being out of alignment could be like not giving yourself space to be bored.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely.
0: And what about you? Where do you find it challenging to be
1: in alignment or not? Oh, gosh. Okay, so working with people that I feel not so 100% about. Oh, yes. But they come with clout. They come with experience. They come with pretty words. They come with a network. They bring a lot to the table. But something says something's not quite right. And I would ignore those. And, you know, I'm practically 100% in all those feelings when it came to that. It just took maybe five years to reveal itself. Seven years to reveal itself.
0: What did you do to kind of rectify that to get back
1: into alignment? Well, I would go through the motion of like, well, you knew it back then. See, right? Like I would self-shame, right? Like how stupid, of course you knew it and you wouldn't listen. Like you should have listened to your gut or to yourself. And. I wouldn't say I rectified right away. I would say I would stew in shame first. (laughs) (laughs) That is the reality of things. (laughs) And then eventually went, okay, well, I don't have to do it over and over again. This doesn't have to be Groundhog Day. And so I don't do that anymore. And do you have any particular practices that help you get into alignment, that help you be expansive? Yes. When I wake up, I always call my soul in. I found me and actually a lot of humans are out of verse with being able to hold their soul in their experience, in their bodies. And we're all like checked out. And so I would do little things like in the grocery store. I would patch in. I would tap where the sternum is at, just where it hits the diaphragm. And I'd call my soul in. Like, I am Lynn. I'm here. Like, I would command myself in. And I would understand what it felt like when I was there and when I wasn't. Yeah. So it sounds like a very simple technique, this tapping.
0: And as you describing it, I started doing it. And it sounds like it's also accompanied with some mindfulness and your own knowledge and expertise around the nature of the soul and the energy. Absolutely. So you talk about soul literacy and soul literacy being part of a prerequisite for true success just, can you tell us what does soul literacy mean for you? And we would love to hear more about the soul operating system too.
1: Okay. So the soul is a blob. (laughs) I'll just call it as a blob. That's what I see it as. It's partially liquid, partially gaseous, partially plasmic in nature. And it has an anatomy. It has a shape. It has movement. It has colors And so that's what I mean by the literacy of it. We literally need to know the parts of the soul body. And the operating system is how it works, how it does the download from the universe and from our other lives. How does it all coordinate together? How is it supposed to coordinate everything? Because there's different states that the soul is in. So once I call in, you know, my soul, then I have to go. Oh, So it's present, but is it active? So most people, their souls are present. I can see it in their field but it's passive. It's not active because usually the mind has taken over. Being right has taken over. Being a good person has taken over. All these decisions and tasks and responsibilities have taken over. And so then that's the next layer. Then I have to go, okay, how do I enlist this, the activation, right? Which is where boredom comes in. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, it activates in the boredom. Isn't that funny?
0: It's divine. Yes. (laughs) Divine boredom here.
1: And when you are helping
0: entrepreneurs or you know, people with, with business projects, this is something
1: you're helping them do as well? Yes, because it has to be integrated into work, into family, into parenting, relationship. Absolutely. That is beautiful. I love Ellen's
0: take on the soul. It got me thinking about the soul in general. And after all, this podcast is called Soul Savvy Business. Alin talks about the soul based on her Catholic background, her indigenous roots, and her own experiences. The word soul comes from the Greek word suki, or psyche as we usually say in English. It has a whole host of meanings, such as life, conscious self, immaterial soul, and more. The Greeks themselves were expansive in the way that they thought about the word. You may remember the story about eros, erotic love, and psyche, the purified soul. While historically many Christians have been overly worried about the immortality of the soul, especially whether or not a soul is going to heaven or to hell, other Christians have also spoken about the soul and its mystical union with God, a little less worried about eternal damnation, and more concerned with the current state of the soul connecting to the part of the divine that is eternal. As you can imagine, I think of the soul more like my mystic forebears. There's no hellfire talk in my camp. While I've never considered the soul to have the distinct parts like gaseous, liquid, or plasmic as Elin does, I really resonate with her idea of the soul as part of our unique personality and also the part that is always in union with God. For me, that perfectly describes our souls eternally with God and also temporarily taking up residence here on earth. The soul as a blob, you can't get more real than that. I adore a lens slightly irreverent and very real take on the soul. And now I can't stop thinking about it. My soul might just be a blob that needs a little love to take up residence here with me in my body. I
1: have two questions left. The first, we have to hear about hiking Mount Kilimanjaro. My son's father actually extended the invitation, and I had no idea what a Kilimanjaro even was at the time. And so I honestly came underprepared physically. When we got there, everyone in our expedition was sharing notes. Oh, I climbed, uh, I think, Mount Whitney as practice. Oh, we flew to XYZ to Denver and climbed blah, 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 so that we could get used to the elevation. And then one couple, ran up and down like an 80-story building <laughs> to get themselves conditioned. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, oh, my God. I should have at least done one sit-up or taken a walk or something. I'm going to die. I didn't do any of that. And so I'm sitting there. Like, we're in our little <laughs> bus, you know, waiting for other flights to come in. So we're in the parking lot of the airport. Everyone sharing their stuff. And I'm like, wow. I just, oh, What am I going to do, you know? And so... <laughs> We gathered the next day before we left. Our, our guide laid out our maps. Here's what we're going to do in day one and day two. I was so anxious. I couldn't sit through it. So I missed the entire briefing of the thing. <laughs> okay, Full on flight mode, right? Fight or flight. I'm in flight mode. And so that morning that we left, I was like, well, we've hired the best. And I just have to trust that. And all I'm going to do is follow exactly what he says to a T. And I did. It was a point of utter humility and submission and surrender because I was not physically prepared to do that thing. I was intimidated. But when I got up there, uh, I was so delirious, 6 a.m. And I started just voices coming at me. And it was like, she did it. I just felt a bunch of women high-fiving. And I'm like, what Aww. am I hearing light right now? And I still don't know what that is. Now I'm like, oh, like my ancestors or the, totally all your ancestors. All, yeah. All the guys, all the people that have contributed to me getting to where I am, they, those were their voices.
0: What a metaphor for the entrepreneurial journey, for the soul journey as well. You go in not quite prepared and you just do it anyway. And just for points of reference for everyone, Mount Kilimanjaro is the highest mountain in Africa. It's the highest freestanding mountain above sea level in the world. It's 19,000, a little and some change, feet above sea level. So it's really high. Yes, really high. My gosh, thank you for sharing that.
1: Well, before we wrap up, Elaine, do you have any advice you'd like to share with our listeners? It is a wonderful time to be alive. The future is woo. Everything that society is handing us right now, it's going to take more than our minds or our mindsets to handle them and to overcome them. It's going to take our soul and, and it is going to take humility from our minds to be able to be willing to even entertain the thought that we are spirit or soul. And so I would like to leave the audience with that.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. It's all about developing our souls and connecting the souls to all parts of us. And this is so terrific. Ellen, thank you so much for being here. What
1: is the best way for people to find you? (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm super easy to find. You can Google me, Ellen Reed, and I've got Facebook, Instagram, of course, woomanity.com. I respond there as well.
0: And Elin is A-L-L-Y-N, just for everyone. I'm Katie Valentine, and you've been listening to Soul Savvy Business, Soul Savvy Business is part of the Miracy FM podcast network, which also includes such shows as Just Between Coaches and Once Upon a Business. This episode was produced by Cynthia Lamb. I wrote this episode with Melissa Deal and Cynthia. Melissa assembled the episode. Danny Eaney is our executive producer and post-production was by Post Office Sound. To make sure you don't miss great episodes coming up on Soul Savvy Business, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you liked the show, please give us a starred review. It is the best way to help us get these ideas out there to more people. Thanks, and we will see you next time.